0: speaking for the Lord and using the first person for I the Lord do not change therefore you O son of Jacob are not consumed from the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them return to me and I will return to you says the Lord of hosts but you say how shall we return will man rob God yet you are robbing me But you say, how are we robbing thee in your tithe and your offering? You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you an overflowing blessing, I will rebuke the devour for you, so that, you will not dis- so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil. And your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, saith the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, saith the Lord of hosts. God, help us this morning to understand that you spoke not only to these people of long ago, but you're still speaking to us today. to the doctor this past week and so he has rearranged my leg a little bit but he tells me that I won't be in that cast too much longer so I'm grateful for that there is a passage of scripture that you will find in the book of Hebrews 11th chapter and the first verse And the writer is having this to say, My faith, now faith, is in the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now you know it would be an interesting thing this morning as we were thinking about giving and thinking about your response to God and the fact that you you can't afford not to give. And I would hesitate this morning to ask you whether you really think that I am preaching or telling the truth. You know, the little boy, a son of a Methodist preacher, asked him one day after after, after church, I think this is supposed to have happened to Brother Ted Hightower when he was here at St. Paul. And Brother Ted was telling one of his stories and his uh, little adopted son at that time says, uh, Danny, we're, uh, we're, were you telling the truth or were you just preaching? <laughs> now, when it comes to this, you know it's the funniest thing. You can, there's two things that you can do within, that I found within my ministry that you can do. And we don't seem to quite understand it. Or we don't respond to it in a, in a very responsive way, by and large. One of them I have found that in the years gone by that when you talk about hell and about the wrath of God, this seems to confuse us. And the other thing that, uh, that uh, has some similarity to this that we talk about within the church, and that's this business of, of giving, of, of surrendering to the Lord Jesus Christ to the kingdom of God. Now, we, we don't know how to handle it, or we feel sort of guilty about it, or something comes out in a way that we're not very responsive to it at all. Now, beloved, I uh, I can never say anything more important to you than what uh, I am trying to reflect of the Scripture to you this morning. And I'll tell you what, if you'll take into consideration really think about what uh, uh, God said in the Old Testament and what he is saying here in the New Testament and what's trying to be reflected to you this morning, I will guarantee you that your life will take on a glow about it that it has never had unless you do what is suggested to you to do. Now, we, we say we believe. and We say we believe in God. We believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We, we believe in the Scripture. We say we believe that. And then we go smack out and just go on our business of living as if we never heard tell of God, of the Lord Jesus Christ, or of the scriptures. Because, you see, when I talk to you about surrender, now I'm going to be talking to you specifically about about giving of your total self, and it comes out in a way of of, uh, being a steward in God's kingdom. But I am really mainly talking about the total surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ as you have the possibility of of doing. But when we come to the place where we think of our time and our talent and our money, we, we have a problem here because we think somehow or another this is completely and totally ours. Totally ours. And we're the source. And we're the beginning. And we're the end of it. Well, beloved, that's not quite so. That you see, there's no. You would have to rip the scriptures apart for this to be other than I'm stating to you. It is not so. Now, that does not mean that you can't live outside of it. You can, but at your own peril and at your own poverty, you will do it. It causes us to think sometimes that uh, that what we have really, really belongs to us and to me alone. And that's not so. You see, we can come within the church. And God loves these people that do such a thing, but they're, they're so wrong. You see, they come to the place where they think that both in their talent and in their time and in their money, that they have complete and total uh, say on, on, over it and about it. And in a sense, they do. But thinking in terms of that they are completely and totally responsible for it. And in a sense, they are. But thinking in terms of it, there will be no day of reckoning. You see, you can withhold from your church your capability, your talent. Now, beloved, there's one thing that I am positive of. It's not an educated guess. It's not a guess of any kind. It's something that I am absolutely sure of. I do not care what our problem happens to be in this church. Whether it be one in the way of trying to build a new building or whether it be one in the way of financing, whatever the problem of this church might be, God has already provided the ability and the capability, the talent, the leadership, the resources from which it can come to do whatever we need to do. That's not a guess. There is a... We have right here, this morning, with the help of the Holy Spirit that we know is not His fault because He's promised us He's going to be with us and He is with us. But whatever we need to do as a church, we have the capability of it right here this morning. We do not have to go outside looking for anyone else. We do not have to go outside to try to secure more money. It is here. God has given it to us already. If we don't do it, it's because we have chosen not to do it. And so there are certain people who will withdraw from the church. They will withdraw their giving from the church. You know, beloved, look again. Look again. We say we believe because the scripture teaches us this, that this is the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you think about that for a while. You don't make a commitment to the preacher you don't make a commitment to the fish aboard these who grew up within the parsonage I didn't ask them to make a commitment to, to, to me or to the to the fish aboard but we make a commitment to the body of the Lord Jesus Christ we make a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ it becomes a, a different thing altogether and to the ignore to ignore the The commitment that we ought to make totally to the Lord Jesus Christ and to the kingdom of God, I'll tell you, I do not care how rich you might be in resources or anything else, but I'll tell you, you are too poor. You are far too poor to withdraw, to withdraw from your true source of strength and help, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, beloved, I can talk to you about other things, and we know that we are funny when it comes down to this business of the way that we present our lives and this business of, of, of living. We say one thing seemingly within the church and go right outside the church, immediately on the way home, and begin to violate what we say that we believe within the church. When I talk about to you about this, uh, your need and my need and the needs of the kingdom of God and the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. When I talk to you about it, it is something that you not only do right here, but it's something that you do out there. You'll do it today when you go home and tomorrow and the next day. It is a way of life. What we're talking about is not something that we just do on a Sabbath day or some other particular religious hour of our week that we might have somewhere when we're with a group. But it's an attitude of life. It is a way of life. Now, we talk about s- seed time and harvest. We talk about springtime and, and summertime and the fall. We talk about the uh, rhythm and the cycle of, of nature, and every one of us uh, believe it, and. We abide by it. Uh, we see the law of God that it is written in and stamped upon nature everywhere. And we know now that we're coming also into a beautiful time of the year when the leaves will be touched and they will turn a million different colors and will be so, so beautiful. We, we count on it. We, we know that it's going to happen. We know that's the way that it is. Some of us have chosen to live in this part of this great world, in this country of ours, simply because of the change of seasons that are so distinct. You don't move in from one to another with, and can't tell. You can tell, and you will be able to tell. Now, we trust that. I saw in the paper, or was it in Times Magazine? I believe it was. We trust nature to do what she ought to do. And you saw the great harvest of wheat piled into the streets about out where those great storage uh, silos were, out in the Midwest or west somewhere. And there's not enough room uh, to store all the grain that this, this beautiful land Mother Earth has, has brought forth. And so they've roped off a street and piled it, looks like 20 feet high, in the street, a bumper crop. Now, we know that there were farmers somewhere, someplace in the spring of the year. They trusted the law of God enough to go out and plow up that cold, barren earth and, and prepare it. And you know sometimes nothing looks any more strange or barren than, than a field turned upside down. It looks so unpromising. But those farmers knew something. They placed the wheat into the ground, the seed wheat, and, and then they looked for a bumper crop. And it happened. Oh, it happened. It happened. Now... We don't see anything strange about that. That, That's wonderful. Well, they'd be dumb if they didn't do it. They'd be a dumb farmer that didn't prepare the, the ground and sow the wheat at the proper time. But oh, what faith that takes to do that. Would to God that we had as much faith in our Christian living that these farmers demonstrate in the way that they go about preparing their farm. Now, beloved, I'll tell you that there are spiritual laws just as exacting as any farmer ever lives by. They're just as exacting. They are just as exacting. It's hard to believe. It is hard to believe, but I tell you that they are so. Now, you can can be a bad farmer or a good farmer. You can understand the cycle of things and the nature and the law of nature and, and you cooperate with it and you can count on certain things to happen. And I want to tell you this morning that you can be a good Christian or bad. No, the sky's not going to fall in on you if you don't, not necessarily. God's not going to take it out on you somehow, some way, if you don't respond to him like you ought to do. It's what you cheat yourself out of, the miserable life that you have. The difference between that and the great glorious life with the fulfillment that you could have had. That's the difference. So I'm not talking to you this morning trying to scare you into something or frighten you. I'm trying to tell you that there's a fantastic way to live for all of us to be completely and totally fulfilled. And God has made it possible. He has set up certain spiritual laws that if you will cooperate with Him as a farmer cooperates with Him in relation to nature and seed time and harvest that you can count on the same things happening to us. Now, let me tell you about some com- compelling thoughts. First of all, I would call your attention to the fact that God is our source. Now, you don't have another source of strength, really. You kid yourself if you think so. You do yourself a disservice if you believe that you've got some other, some other source of to be fulfilled upon the face of this earth. There's only one, not a half a dozen, not even two. There's only one source upon the face of this earth uh, that uh, from which you can draw strength and receive what you need in order to be able to have the fullness, the fullness of life. You know, in the book of Philippians, the fourth chapter and the 19th verse, Paul is talking to the Philippian people there and trying to tell them something. They took up an offering for those who were in need. It's a marvelous thing that he says to those people. You see, Paul understood God. He knew his nature, his laws. And he cooperated with them. And he told those people, he says, you're going to find out that what you have given is small in comparison to what God is going to give to you. But simply because you opened up your heart and your soul and you gave when you didn't have to give, you gave out the generosity and the great love and compassion of your heart, you will find that God is going to pay you back manyfold. Now Paul was addressing himself to the very same thing that we're talking about this morning. You see, the truth of it is, beloved, you and I cut ourselves off from some of the greatest blessings of God, and we don't realize it, and all the while we think we're doing, we're doing it and coming out ahead. Notice, even in the Old Testament, notice what God was trying to say to his people. Do you really believe Beloved, do you really believe that you can sell God short and come out? Do you really believe that you can deny God something and still have the fullness of life? It's an impossibility. Now you can, you can try it, but it's not going to work for you. It's not going to work for you. Because you see, there is only one source of supply. Cast your bread upon the water. All these scriptures speak to the same point and the very exact uh, same principle. God is in charge. Do something and then leave it to him to do with it what he will. How how can he bring forth a golden harvest if you fail to put the wheat in the ground? Beloved, it can't be done unless you sow, unless you act. How is it that God can multiply then what you do? But I'll tell you what, If you will take God serious and if you will take the Lord Jesus Christ serious and you will see this life as a very serious thing and then give to God and to the Lord Jesus Christ and express it through giving to people and to one another, wherever you have the opportunity, you will find something taking place that you never dreamed of because it will come from sources that you never dreamed it would come from. Help will return to you like you wouldn't believe. Beloved, I know, as some of you do, that this is so. This is the way that it happens. God is the giver of every good and perfect gift, and that is true. Now, beloved, to close with, <clears throat> now, you're supposed to give in order for it to be given. Isn't that what Luke says, in the 6th chapter and the 38th verse? That's what Jesus is saying. That's what this man understood the Lord to say. If you will do your part, God will open the windows of heaven to you. And oh, what blessings will, will come to you. Now, beloved, it's up to you. As the law of reaping, of sowing and reaping or exacting, so are they in God's kingdom. Now, if you want to reap a blessing... Brother, you've got to be a blessing. If you want to reap something positive, you've got to sow something positive. It's just just as true as as that statement. If you want to have a wonderful feeling within your heart and your soul and have a sense of being fulfilled, you've got to put yourself in a position where God would be able to deal with you and open the windows of heaven to you as he would like to do it for you. But he's not going to force you. He's not going to force you to. He's going to do the best he can with you, but he could do a whole lot more for you if you would let him do it, if you would let him do it. Now, another thing, you ought to respond to God out of a purely selfish reason, not to help other people. But you ought to respond to God in order that your own life would be fulfilled so that he would be able to do something beautifully and something wonderful for you. Oh, how we cheat ourselves. If anyone else cheated you like you cheat yourself, you'd be willing to take a gun and go after them and probably shoot them. But oh, how you uh, cheat yourself and how miserably you treat yourself in the kingdom of God. You need to be committed for the sake of your own heart and your own soul. It needs to be done in order that God might be able to bless you. In order that you might spend your life for something that makes a great difference to this world. Now you can spend your life for anything. You can do anything and cut God out of it. Or you can put God at the center of your life. There's no way upon the face of this earth that you could ever be counted as a failure. It can't be. They just don't go together. It can't be. You can make it count. You know, and then after you do that, you can expect a miracle. Now, I told you that I went back to the doctor this this past Friday and talked to that uh, man, and he took the bend out out of the cash. You know, it sort of turned up like that and so he cut a wedge out of it and put me up on that table, cut a wedge out of that cast and said, now, and cut it under here, the cast under here, and said, now, he says, now, preacher, straighten that leg out. And I straightened it out about like that. I said, Doc, that's as much as I can do. Now I was laying flat upon a table. Now he got up on a stool, put both hands on that knee like that, and pushed down on it like that. Oh. <laughs> it got awful warm in that place. Well, now after he got me all fixed up again and quieted down, he says, "Now he says I want to show you something that I haven't told you before. Now I want to show you through an X-ray film of what I had to work with when you came in here." He got me over to that table and put out, pulled out that X-ray and held it up to me. He says, "Now I'm going to count them for you—the number of places where your your leg was broken." you see, I thought it was only nine. And when he stopped counting, there was 15 places the bone was broken in a nine-inch span within right below my knee. Now, I've said that to you to say this. Paul, standing in that room, he said, this is unbelievable to me. He says, I'm looking at it, but I don't uh, quite believe it. He says, because you are far past what you should be, he said, I th- was thinking in terms that even after you got this cast I that I would probably have to put you in a brace. He said, I don't think I'm going to have to do that now. He says, look at the difference between this x-ray and this one. What difference it is. Well, I couldn't tell too much, but I know a skilled eye of a trained physician, knew what he was talking about, and I was trusting him to tell me. And he said, this is just amazing. He says, it looks so well. I said, yes, doc. And I believe it's doing so well, and if it is, In all probability, the reason for it is because there are those who believe in the healing ministry of Christ. And there were those who placed their hand upon that cast and prayed that this lake might be healed. Now, it may fall apart again tomorrow, but I don't know. But as of this moment, of this moment, that's the way that it really is. Beloved, We ought to do what God has asked us to do, and then I'll tell you what you can do. You've got a perfect right to expect a miracle to happen for you, to you, with you, and with those that you love and hold dear to your heart. Beloved, I want to tell you this morning, I don't care who you are again and how much you might have and what of this world's goods or any other possessions you might have, you can't afford not to surrender completely and totally to the Lord Jesus Christ. You, you can't afford not to. The greatest thing, beloved, that I could say to you this morning, the greatest thing that I could possibly say to you this morning would be for you before the sun goes down tonight, before you leave from the service, if you're not completely and totally committed to God, do it. Because it is here and here and here alone is the only way that you will ever be able to fulfill that beautiful life that God gave you to live. Believe it and act upon it. Our Father God in heaven, help us that we might have the strength and the courage and the love, the dedication, and whatever else it takes for us to commit ourselves to thee completely and totally for today, tomorrow, and tomorrow's tomorrow.